The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we move into the ordinary time of the year, we have the same invitation that we have all year long. Christmas, Easter, Lent, Advent. The invitation is always the same. We gather together to recall that invitation each, each Sunday and each daily Mass. And the invitation comes to us, you might say, paralleled in the Scriptures today, when the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, calls his people Israel. Now, at this time, in this reading from Isaiah, people of Israel were in bondage. They had been taken away from their own country. And they looked at themselves as losers, basically. And Isaiah is trying to pick up their spirits and say, listen, no, you went through bondage because of sin, because of mistakes, because of errors, because of your willingness to st stay away from God and worship false idols. Those are the reasons you went into bondage. Now, they can parallel many, many things in our lives today. But now, he's given them a hope, and he's calling them out of bondage, and he wants, this is God, through Isaiah, to share his own glory with them. And the Lord says to them, through Isaiah, I knew you from your womb of your mother. I've always known all of you. And now that you've, you've done your penance, I'm calling you out. Now, think of this as God talking to Israel, all the people. Think of this as possibly God talking to the leader of the people or each one of us individually. There are many, many layers to this because we weren't around when Isaiah wrote this, and we don't read his mind except when we look at these words in light of the New Testament, we realize he probably meant them for Jesus, or he probably meant them for the people of Israel, because what he's going to share with them is his own glory and his own strength. And God does this to us, too, 
Isaiah again continues, it's too little for you to be called my servants. I'm going to raise you up as a light to all nations. He said, well, how, how does that apply to us? God wants us to be a light for other people. He wants us to identify as his people, each one individually and by name. So he's using, Isaiah is using the people coming out of bondage into freedom, them looking at bondage as recompense for their sins, but now God stays with his people even through the hard times and he's calling them forward and he says, I want you to be my family, not servants. I want you to be the people who will bring my light to the world. Now again, think of parallel lines. He's talking to Israel, who are a people that God called his own. And while he's talking to the people of Israel, he's talking to us because the word of God is alive and well, and the word of God is current. So when we read the word of God, we read it as it was written in antiquity. We read it for the message that's coming out of it. And we read it for its applicability for us today. That's how rich the word of God is. And because it's the word of God, it's alive, it's well, it's, it's with us. It's not an ancient story. This is our story. So when things are rough and things are bad and, we, and, and God seems to have abandoned us, to Isaiah, he's reminding us, no, 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 I, I'm not abandoning you. I'm calling you to great glory. When the, I don't know what sports were advertising their, their, their products, the, the phrase, no pain, no gain, became very popular. Well, in a sense, we grow through suffering. We grow with God if we hold on to God, even through the tough times of our lives, whether those tough times are relationships, unemployment, family issues, societal issues. We hold on to God and bring our faith in God forward as his light would want us to be, always filled with hope and identify as people of God. See, people of Israel were the people of God in a very special way. He called them as a special nation amid all the nations that existed in the Middle East. And he also did that to us because of all the people in the world, he sent us Jesus Christ. And we who believe in Jesus Christ hold on to this light of hope. And we who identify as the body of Christ, as Jesus, are obligated to be optimistic, to realize that every church has a crucifix hanging over its altar, but that crucifix is the suffering that any of us go through, and the resurrection is the conclusion of that crucifixion. We are here because we believe Jesus is alive. Oh, but this is the ordinary time of the year. Yes, the message is current. We're here 
not because of Christmas, not before, because of the, the poinsettias or the, the nativity set. We're here because Jesus is resurrected and alive. And what we do with the historical moments, his birth, the epiphany, his baptism, are helping us to get closer to him and to understand him and understand ourselves. And through that, we're called to identify ourselves as members of Christ's light. That's another phrase that's very popular, maybe still is in social media, identify as, well, we can certainly identify as members of the body of Christ. And we can certainly identify ourselves as Jesus, members of the body of Christ. So we're not just ordinary people gathering in a pretty church. We're here to continue carrying the glory of God that was promised to Isaiah into our own lives. Through prayer, through service, through many other ways. And, and we, we have the scriptures to guide us. In Paul's letter to the people of Corinth, this is the opening section of a letter that he's writing. He says, I'm writing to you, and again, don't forget, this is the word of God written to Corinthians, but it could also be written to New Yorkers or people from any part of the world because it's the living word of God applicable to us. So Paul is writing to us saying, I'm speaking to you who have been sanctified in Jesus Christ and called to be holy. It's the ordinary time of the year, and that's the ordinary call of the Christian. Called to identify as members of the body of Christ. It's called to identify as people who are sanctified, made holy because of Jesus. And he wishes us, this is really good, because it's a letter, and we sort of need this once in a while. I send you grace and peace from God our Father. So we need that encouragement. That's what comes out of the scriptures. An encouragement for us to identify as Jesus Christ, identify as sanctified, identify as holy. Now, you might on some level, maybe, say to yourself, well, I'm not holy, I go to church, but I'm not holy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We have been made holy by Jesus Christ. We have been made holy by the degree to which we identify and follow our faith in Jesus Christ. You might say, well, we're just ordinary people from the neighborhood, and so am I. But all of us are called to be holy. All of us are called to be saints. Not plaster statues. Saints, holy in the world. For the Christian, we'll learn this as the year goes on, as the scriptures teach us every, every week. That means feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, loving, forgiving, charity, that's what holiness is all about. It sets us apart from just the run-of-the-mill people in the world. We're called to identify with Jesus Christ and to identify ourselves as members of the body of Jesus Christ. Just to clarify, 
the scriptures tonight also use that same idea of being called and identified with the Holy Gospel. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, is baptizing in the Jordan River. And what you hear tonight, there are many versions of the baptism of Jesus. You hear John's version of the baptism of Jesus. And people are gathering John around John because they like what he's saying. He's knocking the Pharisees and the scribes. He's putting them in their place. He's mocking Herod and his false piety. And people like that. And they're following him. In the process of following him, crowds are gathering. And all of a sudden, in the crowd, you can see him doing this. Pointing, and he says, Behold, we don't use that word too much in common vocabulary, but what he's saying is, Hey, look! There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So all the people gathered around him are there listening to him, some being baptized, and with all that crowd, one person is identified. And he calls him, not the Son of God, not the Savior, not the Healer, no great miracle work. He doesn't call him any of those things. And this is very important. He calls him the Lamb of God. Now, at Christmas time, in our nativity set, we see these little white lambs, sheep. You know, and they're always cute, and they're white, and they're playful, and some are multicolors. But, you know, we don't see in them anything that's challenging. But John is challenging tonight. The lamb is the sacrifice of the temple. Once a year, the lamb was offered in the temple. People would bring the sacrifice from their own households, bring it to the priest, and the priest would cut it open, sacrifice it. And they say sometimes the numbers could have mounted well into the thousands of animals being brought into the temple for sacrifice. They say that if you were miles away during the Passover period when the animals were being sacrificed, you'd smell something between a barbecue and a holocaust because the number of animals that were being offered in the sanctuary of the temple. We don't do that because of that one guy in the crowd that John pointed out. This is the Lamb of God. He didn't say, hey guys, this is the hero, this is the, our knight on shiny, with shiny armor on, on the white stallion. He identifies Jesus as the sacrificial victim who takes away sin. And we're part of that because the scriptures are for us. And in saying that about Jesus, he's saying what will happen to Jesus. He will be sacrificed for the sins of all people. The concept of sacrificing the lamb, real quick, was when people sinned, they made an offering to God 
to be reconciled. And we still do that. You run through a red light, you get a little piece of paper, and you have to pay for it. You get a summons. So we make mistakes, we have to reconcile, we have to pay back for that mistake. And that goes across the board in anything we do. You know that. Well, John is using this as the sacrifice of the people of God when they were bringing their animals and their goats and their doves to be sacrificed for their sins. John says, okay, end all that stuff. Put an end to that. This is the number one Lamb of God. And that's the one we're called to identify with and identify as because Jesus wasn't given an easy life. Jesus did his job, he taught, he healed, I mean, he did more than his job, but he taught, he healed, he forgave, and then offered himself as the sacrifice that would bring all of us closer to the Father. That's why when John says, this is the Lamb of God, he also follows it up with, I was told by God in prayer that I would see that person, the new lamb. I don't know who he was, though. He's saying that right here. I didn't know who he was, but what the Spirit of God said to me is, when you see the Spirit of God, and it wasn't a bird. He says, as a dove. When the Spirit of God descended upon this man, as a dove descends, that's the one who will be the new Lamb of God, and that's Jesus. So it all comes together today, and we realize Jesus suffered and rose from the dead. Don't forget that. That's the number one issue. We say that every time we recite the creed. That's the reason we're here tonight. Yes, you're here for Christmas and the Epiphany and, and celebrating the Magi and all that good stuff, but that's for you and me. That's not for Jesus. He doesn't need a Christmas ornament. He doesn't need a, another silent night. Jesus wants us to identify with him, to be people who will suffer at times, but people who know he's always with us as God's beloved. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, God says. We are God's beloved family. Some of us are children, some of us are adults. And God wants to be pleased with us. And to the degree that we identify as Jesus, as members of his body, God is indeed pleased with us. That's our ordinary faith. That's the whole mystery. It's an ordinary Sunday of the year. And again, we're being called to greatness.